Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we're talking about a new stat, defensive playmaking. So I know what you're thinking. You would love to see how a new player or a young player is doing on your team as a defender. You want to know, are they racking up a lot of steals, a lot of blocks, things like stocks. People reference that a lot now. It's just steals and blocks combined because we're starting to realize like, okay, blocks are like a good way to look at big guys like quickly, I guess. We've been doing that forever. Steals normally for perimeter players. But then it's like, oh, there's there's occasionally like the hybrid player like Robert Covington where it's like, oh, he seems to be getting a lot of them. And then I think in 2017 or 2018, somewhere around then, deflections started being officially tracked by the NBA where it was like, okay, you might not be just getting the steal, right? Picking up the ball, ripping it from somebody and dribbling the other way, but someone tries to pass it, you deflect it, another teammate is able to intercept it. So deflections become a valuable thing. They were a hot stat for a while. People still look at them. It's useful. And then on top of that, it was like, okay, we have blocks and we have steals and we have deflections and deflections aren't as valuable as a steal probably, but it's, it holds some value. And then on top of that, we've seen a rise. It feels like actually, I didn't, I didn't look this up. <laughs> the data podcast didn't look up the numbers, but uh, it feels like there's a rise in offensive fouls being drawn, whether it's taking charges, rotating over or running into screens that have not been set yet and you know maybe accentuating the contact maybe throwing your arms up maybe yelling to try to get the referee's attention whatever it may be and then we've seen it i think because probably there's now more switches in the pick and roll because there's just so much more pick and roll marcus smart has perfected post defense as a small it's two bumps and then on the third bump you just fall down no matter what and oftentimes he gets the call so we now have blocks we have steals we have deflections we have offensive fouls drawn and there's a lot of ways to look at defensive playmaking. I don't know if, did I say at the top of the episode, the new stat is defensive playmaking, but uh, I was almost thinking about like a grocery list. You know, sometimes you go to the grocery store and if you don't make a list, you'll come home and you're like, ah, I forgot the onions. I forgot the onions for dinner tonight. Or, oh, I forgot the vegetable. I guess we're just not, I guess we're just not having vegetables tonight with dinner or whatever it may be. There's so many defensive stats now it can be a little hard to kind of keep tabs on everything. And I actually figured this out the hard way. It was designing one of our apps here at Basketball Index. So one of the apps we have, if you go into our premium data, we have like six primary apps you can use to look at things. And within the apps, you can check a ton of things. Like our leaderboard app, you can basically look at like every stat under the sun. But the app I designed was the skills app. And basically the idea of the skills app was... There's a lot of tools at Basketball Index. Let me try to make an easy to use kind of point and click. You want to look at offense. You want to look at defense. Or if you want to individually look at things like three-point shooting, mid-range shooting, uh, shooting around the basket, there's a tab for each one. So it's really easy. Like you can click on uh, three-point shooting. I'm doing it right now. You can really easily look. There's four categories. There's overall three-point shooting, uh, pull-up, catch-and-shoot, and then just like other various 
you know, data points that you'd want to look at. And you just click on them and it's really, really easy to look at. Okay, I can look up the guy's three-point shooting talent versus his catch and shoot versus, you know, all of it combined, whatever that is. So we get to the defensive tab and, you know, there's, there's, you know, your matchup difficulty, your versatility is one of them. Other is that your perimeter defense numbers, but the last one was defensive playmaking. And this has been a tough, tough sort of group of stats to get across. Because I, for the longest time, really, we didn't have enough defensive stats, right? It was, well, we have blocks and we have steals. And that was pretty much it. And then on-off came around. That was really useful. And then, again, I said deflections officially getting tracked. Uh, offensive fouls where that became, it seems like a bigger part of the game now where it's like, okay, well, you probably should give some bonuses to that where all of a sudden there was leaderboards for taking charges in a game where like that became certain players calling cards like Kyle Lowry taking charges. It feels like it takes one a game and it's, it's actually, I looked it up. It's not quite one a game, but it is quite a few. I think it's like 50 something and there's like 82 games. So you're getting kind of close there. It's, it's relevant, right? And we have a few things at basketball index that are, ways to break down defensive stats in ways that are more helpful, right? So we have pickpocket rating, which is the amount of steals you generate on ball, where if you're guarding the player with the ball, how often are you picking his pocket, right? Because there's different types of steals. And then on top of that, we have passing lane defense, which is your deflections and your intercepted pass steals, right? So again, we broke steals into two categories. Pickpocket is on ball, and then passing lane is off ball steals, right? If somebody cuts and then you're following them and someone tries to thread the needle and you get a hand on it and you steal the ball, that would go under passing lane defense. Uh, And then again, deflections, deflections, you could deflect it to a teammate in a passing lane, right? That can be helpful. So we had pickpocket rating and we had passing lane defense, which were good ways to break down kind of the steal um, deflection sort of matrix, whatever you want to call it, figuring out where where goes where goes what, <laughs> uh, what goes where, and trying to credit players uh, what they're good at, basically. And then I talked about it. we have offensive fouls and we have blocks. So what defensive playmaking does is it just how long have I been talking for? <laughs> how long was that intro? <laughs> Six minutes. So the point is all of that put together. I was like, you know what? We probably should have a a all-in-one defensive playmaking stat that's easy to use, that is one click on the skills app. Where, again, if you want to dive deeper and you want to look at who's racking up more deflections or who's better in passing lanes or who's stealing on ball, we still have all those stats. They're all still really useful. But I wanted to come up with a defensive playmaking stat that was like, I want to grab everything. And even it zooms in further where it's like not only blocks, but it's blocks you do recover and blocks you don't recover as part of this. So blocks that are recovered are more valuable, but blocks not recovered are not. Like where if you just block the ball 10 rows into the stands, like you still do get some credit because you're blocking a shot, but it's not as valuable as just snatching it out of the air, starting a fast break the other way. I think that we can all agree that makes sense. So defensive playmaking takes all of these stats, puts them in a blender. They are all individually weighted differently in terms of value. Like I said, a steal is more valuable than a deflection, obviously. I think that makes sense because like a fair amount of deflections are you poke the ball out and it kills some clock where a player has to retreat, recover, protect the ball, and either pick up their dribble or try to continue to dribble. Where like, again, that still has value, but we crunched the numbers, we did the math, and 
we assigned a proprietary, and I would see the word proprietary. It's a proprietary formula, um, but <laughs> um, I've been co-creating a lot of stats this offseason. I don't know if you guys have noticed on the podcast. It feels like every third episode is like, oh, hey, me and the guys at Basketball Index like just grinded these numbers down into a new stat that is just easier to use. <laughs> so defensive playmaking, again, from the top, takes steals, deflections, blocks recovered and not recovered and offensive fouls drawn grabs that all and puts it into a single defensive playmaking stat and it's good because one it's just easy to use and it encompasses all of the main data points we're looking at maybe in 10 more years there's an additional data point we add to it that would be great if it makes it better but right now i think we we looked at everything we have and that seemed to capture all the defensive playmaking we currently track in the NBA world right now. So that is what defensive playmaking is. It's a new stat. I'm very excited about it. I helped make it. So obviously I'm trying to, you know, pump it up, get some people using it, getting it cited in some articles or whatever. <laughs> but uh, the, the main takeaway is one easy to use defensive stat that captures playmaking because like I said, there's nothing wrong with using blocks or steals or deflections individually, right? That's fine. But I like the stat because it doesn't leave anything out. Cause like currently if you look at stocks or whatever, right? The combination of blocks and steals, that's good. But offensive fouls drawn aren't a part of that. And offensive fouls drawn are really valuable because one, you just get the ball. It's sort of like a block or a steal where you're preventing a shot attempt because preventing shot attempts is really important because team can't score if they can't shoot. And then on top of that, you're putting a foul on one of the opposing team's players. And if it's a star player or a big or something like that, getting them in potential foul trouble can be valuable. So uh, it adds value in two different ways. So offensive fouls drawn is really not being used in most things that are public. They're not being cited. So including that is really valuable because again, Super, because anytime you can take luck out of the equation, because every time the opponent shoots, there's some level of luck. We call it shot making, right? A lot of the times now we have stats for that, where if a player gets really hot and they start throwing up crazy shots and they all tend to go in, especially in a playoff series, we'll call it luck or we'll call it really good shot making or a shooting above expectation, whatever you want to call it. But if you're drawing an offensive foul, it they, you can't shoot the ball. So it's valuable for that reason. So I grabbed the top 10 in this stat for, again, this is defensive playmaking. And like I said, it's just grabbing all the defensive playmaking metrics, combining them. Yes, they all are weighted differently. Someone asked that on Twitter. That was a good question. And let's look at the top 10. I tweeted this out the other day, but I wanted to get this in podcast form because I'm really excited about the stat because it is really, really useful. I'm actually using it in Shocker. I'm making more stats, <laughs> but it's a really useful component because, well, one, just if you're in the stat making business, you got to go grab a bunch of different data points. And with defensive playmaking, it's like, oh, I, I only have to grab this one. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> But uh, let's look at the top 10. So number one in defensive playmaking last year, this was the 2022-23 season, Alex Caruso. Basically, if I tweet anything out on the Basketball Index account that has to do with defense, Alex Caruso normally number one. 
and even in categories where there's like some bigger guys there, Alex Caruso probably going to be in the top 10. So Alex Caruso, number one, the defensive playmaking with him is just off the charts. If you watch him play, it makes a lot of sense where it's funny. So when I was getting back into basketball, because I watched a lot like in the late 2000s, early 2010s, and I took a long break where I worked in football for a while. And then, oh, actually, so I worked at Pro Football Focus, and we're actually having a Pro Football Focus guest next week on the show to talk about analytics, not only in the NBA, but in the NFL and just in the sports world in general. So that'll be a fun, uh, I'm actually really looking forward to that episode, but a little preview tidbit. I feel like I never preview things on this show. But I, when I got back into watching the NBA, it was 2020, and that was when the Lakers made their run and won a championship. Alice Caruso had a breakout year was part of the closing lineups in the playoffs and Avery Bradley was on the team and then he didn't play in the bubble and Alex Caruso basically got those minutes and really shined. And that was kind of, he put himself on the map there. Right. And when I was watching him, I was like, I haven't watched all of the other perimeter defenders in the league, but this guy seems really good. And the amount of loose balls he's, you know, diving for deflections, steals, the occasional block, offensive foul where it was like this is crazy this again it's hard because you can't watch all of the teams as closely as as the teams you follow right but i was like this is this is nuts like where does this fall in the league and i'll tell you what in 2023 alex Caruso, literally the best player in the league uh defensive playmaking by like a pretty like noticeable margin like it's him and then there's some guys that are there's some space and then there's some other guys around him. But like he was far and away the best defensive playmaker in the league last year. Also, another thing I like about the stat, I said it before, it mixes different categories, right? Where like Caruso is number one. He's a guard. Next is DeLon Wright. He was on Washington last year. He's also a guard. And then after that, there's some bigs in there. There's Jaron Jackson Jr. mixed in. There's Nick Claxton. Um, if you lower the minutes threshold, a guy like Paul Reed is on there. So it was interesting to finally be able to combine bigs and smalls and sort of like figure out where their defensive playmaking compares to each other. So Paul Reed didn't make the, uh, he would have been third, but he only played like 750 minutes, which just really isn't that much. The minutes cut off is a thousand minutes. That's normally what it is on like most of our Twitter posts, because like, if you think about it, if you're playing in. I know people don't really play in every game anymore, but if you play in all 82 games and you play 10 minutes a game, that's 820 minutes. And like guys that play 10 minutes a game, like aren't really in the rotation. Right. So we, we bump it up to a thousand. Cause it's like, we want to get guys that are like, you know, really contributing and playing. So uh, if you said a thousand minutes as the filter, we have Alex Caruso at number one, like I said, DeLon Wright at number two, which was surprising. Cause I'm gonna be frank with you. I, I feel like I gotta be one of the frankest podcasters. I, I don't know anything about DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright could walk by me on the street and I would think, well, that guy's kind of tall. <laughs> That's it. I don't even know if I know who it is. But at age 30, was the second best defensive playmaker in the league. And that's notable. Now I've stored that away in the back of my mind. Next time I see a game with DeLon Wright in it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy's a good defensive playmaker. And that's really the ultimate value of analytics. Just like little nuggets like that. After that, Matisse Thibel, he was on Philly. He was traded to Portland. He has a reputation of being 
like basically the Tasmanian devil on the court, like just flying around, blocking a lot of shots. What's weird about him is he blocks a lot of shots away from the basket, which is really rare. He's a pretty crazy athlete with some pretty nutty defensive instincts. After that, number four, Jaron Jackson Jr., defensive player of the year. Just the amount of block shots is pretty crazy, but if you watch him play, he's a really good athlete, moves well, gets some hands on some balls, steals and deflections, things like that. Uh, after that, Nick Claxton, who... I mean, basketball index has just been pumping up Nick Claxton for the last year, I'd say. He had a huge breakout season, and it's hard when when someone pops in the data this hard. It's hard not just to talk about them all the time. And what's interesting about him is the rim protection is really good, but he's also a mobile big, so he switches out on the perimeter a lot. Again, if you're a big that blocks a lot of shots and can also get your hand on like a lot of steals and deflections, the defensive value there is just so, so high. After that, D'Anthony Melton, another of one of my analytics darlings. He was traded in the offseason to Philly prior to last season. I really like that move from Memphis to Philly. Really good 3 and D player. And again, he was number six in defensive playmaking. Tons of steals and deflections. Really good perimeter defender. Number seven, Herb Jones. This is, I mean, this is a lot of like the basketball index all like love team where we're always talking about, you know, Herb Jones. We're always talking about Anthony Melton, Nick Claxton, Fiebel, Caruso, where it's like, this is where the defensive analytics shine. And this is almost like a highlight reel of like, you know, these guys that are doing like a lot of little things and quite a few big things on defense, like you put them all on a list, you jam all these stats together, they tend to be really good at it. Uh, number eight, Jalen Suggs. This is another guy really intriguing, only 21 years old, last season playing in Orlando and just a good defender overall and the defensive playmaking through the roof. Number nine, OG Ananobi, the internet's favorite defender. He obviously... <laughs> very good wing stopper, uh, just a maniac causing turnovers, drawing offensive fouls, doing everything he needs to do. And then number 10, Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson's an interesting player because he's like, he generates a ton of his value from offensive rebounds and like deflections and steals as a big man. He generates value in a very unique way. It seems like he would be good on a high-end team because I'm a big believer in players that can affect the game positively without scoring tend to be good on good teams because any great team is going to have like two or three dudes that can score because that's partially what gets you to being such a good team. Like you have some of the better scores in the league. And then you surround that team with some shooting, with some off ball gravity, with some defense. And that's how you get like a championship caliber team. So it seems like Mitchell Robinson would be a very good player on a high end team. He's a very, he's just an interesting, interesting guy. So that's the top 10. Um, I'll rattle the top five off again because they're just so good at defensive playmaking. Alex Caruso, DeLon Wright, Matisse Thibel, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Nick Claxton. Again, if you want to see the entire list, head on over to bballindex.com. It's $5 a month for the same data that front offices and agents use. It's a steal, and the data is really fun to play around with. Guys that just missed the list, Fred Van Fleet was at 11. Josh Akogi, he just re-signed with the Suns. I think he's going to have a huge season with them. Jordan Goodwin, I think he was a part of the – I think I talked about him a couple episodes ago – he got traded over to Phoenix as well in the Chris Paul trade, I believe. And, or was it the, what? Yeah, the, what was, the, 
Yeah, that was the Bradley Beal, Chris Paul trade. A lot of things have happened this offseason. But he was a guy where it was like, oh, he popped in some defensive metrics. So it's interesting because Phoenix is going to need defense, right? They re-signed Josh Akogi, and they also trade for Jordan Goodwin, another younger player, 24 years old last year, was a point of attack defender, really high in the defensive playmaking. So it seems like from a roster construction standpoint, their role players are going to fill out the needs that they have, which is defending, creating turnovers, making basically life easier for their offensive stars. Tari Eason, he's, he was 14th on the list on Houston. He's another guy. He was a rookie last year. He is destined to be a basketball index guy because just all the little things, the rebounding, the defensive playmaking makes a lot of sense. And then my last guy I'm getting really excited about, Isaiah Jackson on Indiana. He's a center. So we went pretty deep here on the uh, the teens for defensive playmaking. A lot of these players are like, oh, well, I'm, I, I think I've seen that guy. I think I've auto-drafted the end of a 2K roster, and I've ended up with a few of these guys. But uh, a little further down the list, someone you'd expect like Jimmy Butler, things like that. But yeah, defensive playmaking it is, I guess it's an all-in-one, I don't know if I'm using that terminology correctly. It's an all-in-one for your defensive playmaking stats, again, which are blocks, recovered and not recovered, steals, deflections, and offensive fouls drawn. So it's an all-in-one kind of catch-all for any defensive playmaking. Really great shorthand to quickly ballpark. Again, if you want to dig deeper and figure out what individually these guys are good at on the defensive end, we have all those metrics in our leaderboard tool. Uh, again, also, if you want to go to the skills app for an easier you know, point-and-click experience uh, of a curated board of important stats that Taylor Metrics himself curated, I, you know, the skills app, it's pretty fun to use. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. That is defensive playmaking. Go check it out on the website. Check it out. We'll be tweeting it out. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.